0: Swung on, hit of the underneath right. That ball's high, it is far, it is
1: gone! Welcome. A Stantonian home run. To the 161st Street First World Podcast. A Judgian blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Featuring your host...
0: Wesley and Shoe Free Drive. What's going on, guys? What's going on, guys? Welcome to the 161st Street Murderer's Row Podcast, Episode 7, Opening Week recap. With your host, I, Wesley Segundo, and your co-host, Shoot Rewrites, live from Harlem, and live from Boston, as we are recording this. Wow. I mean, bit of a bumpy ride, but, I, you know, we picked up our slack. I mean, you know, going one and two in the, in the first Baltimore series, and, One and two with Detroit, but then just picking it up with a sweep last weekend. Man, how are we going to break this down? What are we going to do? We are going to fucking break this down. So there's no such thing as how we're going to break this down. But we are going to break this down Bronx Bombers style. Opening day, we look good. We hit situationally. Masahiro Tanaka being Masahiro Tanaka. Game two. James Paxton pitched a good game, good five and a half innings or so, but the team couldn't do anything. And game three uh Jay Happ unfortunately shit the bed. You know, couldn't do much. Then to open the series for Detroit, we had Domingo Herman, pitched the pitched the good game, proved me wrong in the right ways. And then, you know, we had Jonathan Lewis actually no Masahiro Tanaka again. Pitched a good game, but we couldn't find our mojo. Same story with Game 3 with Jonathan Loizaga. So let's talk about those first nine games, Shu. Well, the first three series, actually.
1: Oh, definitely. Okay. If anything. <laughs> well, it is the first three series because those three first three series of the season are usually the type of series for elite teams where it's a measuring stick as to how each team is going to dictate the pace of how this season will go, and I mean, when I say that, I don't use this as a measuring stick as to if they if they are if this Yankee team is going to be a great team this season or not. Because quite frankly, ten games into the season, I I really despise the fan who puts a ton of stock into ten games out of one hundred and sixty two. I mean, re- entering tonight's game against Houston, like you, we have 152 games left. It's, it's the, the season is it's, it's still in its infancy stages. So overall, in terms of the nine the nine games uh, so far played, bro,
0: you may want to say that again. We might have uh, had some technical difficulties, but we're going to carry on. But just say all that again. Absolutely.
1: I was saying that, like with in terms of the nine games. You know, like I tend to you look at those nine games as, as, as an interesting measuring stick in terms of where we are as a team, what the season can potentially look like without putting too much stock into it. It meaning that, listen, I'm not a, I'm not one of those who like to put a, a ton of stock into, into the season's first nine or 10 games or even 11 games. But I personally like to think that, listen, the Yankees I knew they they it was, they were going to have to tread water and that, and that was going to be okay. And so far they have tread water after a very rocky first six games. They seem to really turn it around during, during the weekend series against Baltimore. But I definitely have to give a lot of credit where it's due. And the number one thing that has really impressed me of late is especially the young core, like guys like Gary Sanchez, who yesterday, for example, had three home, had a three home run game against Baltimore. Not to mention, um, Glaber Torres, who's really picked it up late. And Clint Frazier with a big, with a big home run on Saturday night. And Domingo Herman, for those who have been his. Oh, well, not only that, with Clint Frazier, sorry to interrupt you, he had another big game
0: yesterday, too.
1: Two yeah. home runs. Yeah. And, and it, and it, and it goes to show, and even for guys like Domingo Herman, who has been, whether fairly or unfairly, the scoring of Yankee fans the pitching hasn't been bad, and D- Domingo Herman has not been bad at all. Especially, no. especially for a guy who wasn't expected to be a, a big contributor, especially this early on. So, I mean, listen, if you would have told me that Domingo Herman would be 2-0 with an ERA of 1.64, I wouldn't have believed you. Yes, only an 11, 11 innings pitch so far, but you, ha- but you have to like what you've seen, especially especially in his last start against Baltimore. Yeah. You have to like I what mean, you've seen. Yesterday, he almost had a no-hitter.
0: Yeah. He had a no-hitter going into what, the sixth? The sixth inning, yes. Yeah. I mean, very unexpected. I mean, this could have been the first no-hitter since, wow. I mean, the last time we ever Dave had a Cone. game. Dave, David
1: Cole, July 99. David
0: Cole 99. Then the year before that was um David,
1: David Wells. Wells. 98. Mm-hmm.
0: Then before that, I believe it was 94 with Jim 90- Abbott.
1: No, no. No, no. It was actually, it was Jim Abbott in 93, but 93, there was a, yeah. there was one in 96 with Doc Gooden. It was May 14th. Oh, oh, yes.
0: That is right.
1: May 14th, That's
0: 1996 right. against Seattle. I mean, let's look at this. I mean, first off, that first series with Baltimore to kick in opening day, I would like to say that was the first time I was actually at opening day. Um, great experience. Uh, that first game, we just, we just, man, I mean, what can I say? I mean, we did hit situationally, something that me and you, shoe, have been stressing all year, right? Totally. They were hitting situationally. They were getting the base hits. Yeah, you know, Luke Boy hit a bomb to, like, kick us off and stuff. But that was, that was looking good. Game two, yeah. the debut of James Paxton. He pitched, he pitched a good five and a half innings, but the team obviously went back to, uh, reverting to, uh, home run or die. Yeah. And I mean, I went to that game as well. So I went to all three games. Uh, that Sunday game too had a rain delay. Jay Hap just unfortunately shit the bed. And not only that, those last two games we had. Either we had comebacks but fell short. Want to touch on that?
1: Listen, those comebacks were an indictment of the Yankee offense getting started late, and it's and it's frustrating, and it was frustrating to watch, especially knowing that this team is capable of offensively, and not so much in terms of the home run ball. Yes, but in terms of they have they having the need to be better in terms of situational hitting. So I felt. A, a bit of frustration, but I understood that, listen, it's early in the season, but they have to establish good habits offensively, especially early on, especially if this is a team that is going to compete in the AOEs. Cause let's face it, the Red Sox are not where they, where, where they, where we all th- thought they'd be yet. They and, neither, and, and, and neither is Houston. So I think it's very fair to say that, listen, Yankee the, the, this, this, the season is still young, but I think that the Yankees is so imperative and so important that they get themselves into the right frame of mind offensively that they know and how and know how to execute offensively with situational hitting. And the series in the opening series against Baltimore was by far the most maddening. and the same can yeah. be said and the same can be said against Detroit. But also, but especially in a season against, against Baltimore where you left too many runners on, in scoring position and to add, and to add insult to injury. The thing that really got me mad was the game that the Yankees struck up 18 times. Yeah. 18 times in a game. Like this is the kind of thing that cripples offenses, especially late in the season when you're facing superior pitching. Should you make it to October? So to me, it's, it's frustrating. But at the same time, I understand the season is shown, but it, it, but you cannot help. It's a
0: frustrating thing to watch, especially with a, right. with a batting lineup. I mean, when you got a batting lineup of Aaron Judge, John Carlos Stanton, Luke Boyd, Greg Bird, uh, Troy Tulowitzki, I mean, who has been playing well, except that, you know, he got injured, but it's not Again. mud. Yeah. Uh, Torres, uh, Greg uh, Gardner, and, DJ LeMayhu, I mean a guy who rarely fucking strikes out, which we are gonna touch on that because here's something about DJ LeMayhu. Right now he's batting a four hundred, if you are aware of that.
1: Not surprised, but go ahead. I'll explain in just a little bit, but go ahead.
0: I mean for for all for all those fucking shiny new toy uh syndrome having fans, for those of you who knocked the fucking uh, DJ LeMahieu signing and you want to bring up the cores versus away like splits argument. He's a guy. If you actually did your research and actually watched his highlights and watches as bats, he knows the pitches to swing at. He's a contact hitter, but he has power, but he's a contact hitter. Yes. And let me tell you something. He can get on base he is one of those guys in the whole league that has a high on-base percentage, and he's very underrated. Mm-hmm. And we got him cheap.
1: Very underrated, but, he, but here's a kicker. For a guy whose career started in 2011 with the Chicago Cubs, before, before he got traded over to Colorado, he, is, he, he has a career average of 299. <laughs> so what does that tell you? What does that <laughs> tell you? I don't care where you hit or where you play. You cannot sit here and tell me as a baseball fan that you're going to hit extremely well in your own home ballpark and, and completely crap the bed on the road and be a career 300 hitter. Now, I'm going to take it a step further, by the way. For all you Yankee fans, scrubs, who were actually knocking the signing, by the oh, way. That's you Talk that shit. By the way, in 2012, no, no, I'm going to go to this rookie year. 2011, when he first broke into the major leagues, hit 250. Okay. Try to figure his way out. 2012, he played only, only in 81 games and hit 297. Fair enough. 2013, played 109, batted at 280. 2014, played 149 games, hit 267. 2015, he, he, he played 150 games, bat 301 the entire season. 2016, he played in 146 games, hit 348. 2017, played in 155 games, hit 3, 310. Last year, played 128 games, batted a 276. So you want to tell me, you want to bring up the argument about, look at this course and, and road split. Listen, course will always be course, field, but you cannot punish a man for the home ballpark that he plays in. That's ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous. But, w- but given that I just gave you the g- his overall career stats, this man is a, is is basically a three hundred career hitter. The man can hit. That's why I said earlier, earlier just a few moments ago, I'm not surprised that he's hitting as well as he is. So, because do you want to hear this? I, I, huh?
0: So, do you want to hear this? Yeah, go ahead. This is what I'm read. Uh, uh, this is what I read earlier. Okay. After last night's like, series. Okay. Yeah. And especially yesterday, after going three for four in yesterday's game. Okay. DJ LeMahieu is hitting a 458 average. Okay. With the 1.078 OPS, he has reached on base cleanly and safely all seven games that he has played this season. Wow. I know it's early, but Chu, You just gave out the stats, and it's basically backing me up on what I'm saying about Lemayhew, and what we've been saying about Lemayhew. This was something that we did not see.
1: I mean, did did you see Lemayhew coming to the Yankees? No. I mean, when when it happened, I was impressed because said, you know what, the Yankees could use infield depth, knowing that knowing that that. Gregorius, Didi Gregorius, was going to miss the first part of the season. I said, you know, even though although we have Torres at second, we have Andrew at third, and at the time, before he got injured, and Tulu Whiskey, before we got injured, this was a good move.
0: It was a good move. Because. And I do want to say something before you say anything. Yeah. To all those Yankee fans that were giving me shit about these signings, don't know stats, I do like to say, me and Shu love stats. We will always throw the numbers and the facts in your face. We do not hate stats, and we do not hate facts. So if we argue, we argue with facts and stats, okay? We are the only podcast, well, I'm not going to say we are the only podcast, but we are the podcast that loves stats and facts.
1: It and also use to yeah, our advantage. We use that
0: to our advantage. And if you don't like that, suck my dick from the back i continue.
1: Like, with, with LeMahieu, I feel like, defensively is is a part that I feel like a lot of people look, overlook is, he is a two-time gold glover in the National League with, when he was, when he was in Colorado. So it's not even just the fact that he's a good hitter. He's a gold glove he's a gold glove winning, um, second baseman at yeah, that. Didn't so, he, have, uh, didn't he have the, uh, batting title last year? Um, not last year, but I believe actually, I believe it was actually, um, pardon me, just give me a moment as I, as I try to remember. But he, no, he, I don't think he had a, a batting title per se, but he, he did come close one year, I believe that was 2016 when he, when he batted, um, excuse, yeah, 2016 when he batted 348. But in terms of, in terms of offensive actually, award. Actually, in, in 2016,
0: he did have the batting title. He did. Yes.
1: Wow. Two-time
0: All-Star, three-time Gold Glove, which he won you're last right. year.
1: I'm, you're absolutely right. Correct.
0: Yes. Um, he did win the Fielding Bible by, by Award in 2017. Yeah. Um, three-time Wilson Defensive Player of the Year, plus three-time Gold Glove. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we got
1: a lot in Lemahieu. Exactly, and especially for a guy who won a Gold Glove in 2014, 2017 in 2018, this goes to show you that he's maintained a high level of defensive excellence to go along on his bat. So this isn't a guy that that is all, all bat and can't defend for nothing. This is a legitimate one of the best defensive second baseman around in the league that people outside of Colorado for years never heard of or, did, or yeah. don't follow baseball as much as they claim as they do.
0: On top of knowing that he's a, he's a second baseman, but he seems like he's doing a good job as a utility guy for us at like third Sometimes yeah. short mm-hmm. and even might see some time at first base. Believe it or not. Yeah. Continue.
1: So to me, like, this is a guy who we've seen early in the season that listen, this is a guy who can absolutely, absolutely do damage. Do damage with the glove and do damage in terms of hitting. Now I want to, I want to give you an act, another example. I'm gonna give you another example. Okay. Now, for those that that claim to really love stats, DJ LeMahieu, for a guy who was a, a, a career 300 hitter, t- essentially 299 to be exact, yeah. he's done he's done his most damage in the middle in middle away, and and high and high 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 letter high in the strike zone. Based on exit velocity. Average for high in the zone, high, high over the middle, 97.7 miles per hour. Right over the middle, 96.4 miles per hour off the bat. Away, outside corner, 93.6. Inside, 93.7. So this goes to show you that, listen, he can hit the ball in all quadrants in the zone. So it it goes to and also give it to go an even extra furthermore, in terms of home run breakdown, he has the ability to reach the outside pitch. He has hit two home runs where the pitch with where, where, where pitches are low and away. Four home runs with the whether where the over middle of the play, but that's but that's every major league ball player, otherwise you want to be in the major no. leagues, but that's a takeaway from his ability. And also and also he hits pitches that are, that are up in the zone, so that tells you. That tells you. He's got a he good
0: batter's eye.
1: Yeah. That not only that he can hit the pitches that are over the plate, but he can turn on the inside pitch. He can hit them with, with authority.
0: Actually, you are right about that when it comes to hind the, in the strike zone, but we're, we're talking about the strike zone over here. So, pretty much, I mean, his home run breakdown, a lot of his home runs, right, Yeah, comes from the middle. But yeah, middle all in different. middle of way. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what what else can we say about like DJ Lemayhu? I mean, what else?
1: I mean, that really sums it, sums it up. I mean, Yankee fans will learn more as the season progresses in terms of the value that DJ Lemayhu has and brings to the team. So, I mean, we we basically have spilled spilled it out all out for all of you guys to hear. That this is, this isn't some scrub that the Yankees decided to pick up from Colorado or his numbers were inflated because of the course field. The numbers don't lie. You want to do your research fine. Go on, go on, go on Yankees.com and check it out for yourself or baseball reference. But the proof is there.
0: Yeah. I mean, we could give you fan graphs too. We can give you a, a bunch of places where to check out your stats. There's nothing wrong with reading the numbers. Nothing wrong with that. Doesn't make you a nerd. It just makes you knowledgeable. So when you argue with a fan that wants to talk a lot of crap about a player, you can hit them with those numbers. Numbers do not lie.
1: Am I right or am I wrong? You're absolutely right. I mean, ultimately, ultimately, that's what it comes down to at the end of the day, where it's about doing your research, knowing Knowing what type of player you have on your roster, what his strengths and what his weaknesses are, and and ultimately, listen, the Yankee the Yankees will learn, the Yankee fans will learn, and they'll and they'll they'll come to understand and appreciate that. Like ultimately, at the end of the day, this isn't this isn't about being fans. It's about It's about it's about being able to look furthermore and deeper into the numbers, and into, into the numbers, and understanding. The type of team that we have, you know, and and for and for me, especially especially given that we we spent we spent a lot of time so far in this episode of the podcast talking about offensively for the Yankees, that's where that that's where the the fun really begins. Paul,
0: let's talk about the pitching. You want to hear something? Yeah, right now with our rotation of Tanaka, Paxton, Hap, uh, Herman, and then Loaiza. Right? Yeah. Uh, even though that was not supposed to be our projected rotation, mm-hmm. do want to mention that, uh, Gio Gonzalez did get shelled on his debut, but let's just give him time and we'll see what Brian Cashman decides to do. Uh, we'll talk about that another time. They do have until April 20th to bring him up or else yeah. he is a free agent. But back to what I was saying. Okay, so we're basically five and four with nine games played. That's obvious. We should be at least more than that. We should we should have been six and three, but we'll touch on that. Mm -hmm. But we are top six in team ERA. Okay, we are in the top ten, but at number six with a team ERA of 289, 80 uh, 81 innings pitched. Only allowed 26 earned runs, 31 runs allowed, and the batting average against would be, uh, 211 with 85 strikeouts and 30 walks. So, I mean, that's, that's looking pretty good so far. Nothing to brag about, but it's looking good so far.
1: Solid, but it could be better.
0: It could be better. And, and the interesting. Mean, but, yeah. Uh,
1: And interestingly enough, the one thing that I think that we have, we have to continue to be on, remember and be patient with is that given that, listen, some of these guys, they get hot when the weather starts, starts heating up. And that's, and, and that's no shocker at all. Like when you think about the fact that, listen, early April, the game, the game, listen, the weather is not hot, especially in New York. It's not hot. It's not hot in the Northeast. It's not hot in a lot of places unless you play, unless you play a lot of your games indoors. So.
0: 77
1: degrees
2: outside.
1: <laughs> you see that happens after the Yankees hit the road. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, what, what can we have? That would have been great last weekend. <laughs> you see, <It> <laughs> well, opening
0: day was actually nice. I'm not going to lie.
1: Spring-like. Yeah, it got a little cold, but hey.
0: That's what it is. Continue.
1: I'm telling you, it's one of those things that. It's one of those, it's one of those things that I think offensively they'll, they'll be fine. My only, my only, my only thing is that ultimately, ultimately I really think that the Yankees are going to, they're going to continue to, they're they going to continue to get better. But you're talking about the pitching, the Yankees right now, they're, they're actually, um, top five in the major leagues right now. And, in and, in, in staff VRA at 2.89. Right oh, now,
0: top six, really. Because um, we're behind Cleveland, with no
1: uh, top five as uh, of today. Dude, I'm I'm telling you. You, you I'm, sure? It, yes. I'm. Do right now. Number number one is Tampa Bay. Uh, they're, yeah. They're one point eighty eight. One point eight zero as of today, right now. T- t- Detroit is number two at two point three zero. Toronto's number three at two point seven five. Even though their record will tell you otherwise, but they're top three right now in the majors in terms of pitching staff ERA. Number four is Cleveland at 2.85. The Yankees are fifth at 2.89. This is the, this is, this is 2019 season so far. Fucking God! You alright?
0: Okay, we're still recording. Alright. Uh, nobody heard anything? I did. (laughs) What, you did? Yeah. Damn, my dad just fucking, just ruined this damn podcast. Just had to call me in the middle of it.
1: Well, he didn't. I don't think he ruined it. He just want to see how you're doing.
0: No, he's like telling me like the, the the start of the game. I already knew the start of the game. Talk about bad timing. This is like worse than than being bases loaded and you have a guy on a three two count. And then you, then you throw the pitch up high for a for a wild pitch. <laughs>
1: But, that, but that's your dad. At the, at the end, at the end of the day, but yeah, but but, yeah. No, but no worries.
0: Yeah, but
1: I I always say when
0: when doing this podcast, do not call me. But like you were saying,
1: yeah, like so, like they're top five right now in terms of um, pitching staff ERA, and you talk about offensively in terms of in, in terms of in terms of the team in itself. Look, right now the Yankees as a team they're hitting two seventy. They're they're sixth in the major leagues and hitting. Behind the yeah. actually the tie with the Mets. Believe it or not, both both teams are hitting 270 entering tonight's game. So but ultimately yeah, but,
0: but Gary Chance has got more home runs than the whole team itself.
1: I don't want to hear it. <laughs> oh man, but 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 yeah, like I mean, listen. Amazingly enough, I just think that ultimately like the the Yankees, they they'll be where they're where they're going to be, but I think the pitching has to continue to be stellar. That's and that's impressive considering that we have had not we haven't had Sabrina all season long, we haven't had Sabathia up to this point. So that is really yeah. impressive considering all things.
0: It is very impressive. I mean, what more can we say about that? And speaking to Gary Sanchez, you wanted to know something.
1: What's up?
0: Since twenty sixteen he hit the most home runs by a catcher. That number is 77. So, I mean, for all those bashing Gary Sanchez and shit, let, let me just say this. Number one, it's early in the season. Number two, he has been improving, and in case you do not know, mm-hmm. he was working with Pudge Rodriguez in the off-season.
1: Yeah. You Hall know, of Famer. You don't
0: know who Pudge, if you don't know who Pudge Rodriguez is, you can't call yourself a baseball fan. You probably started watching baseball last year, and probably the Yankees in 2017, a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Here's some more numbers. All right. As far as Gary Sanchez goes, and do you know by the way, um, on this day, on this exact day, this is the anniversary of Hideki Matsui's first ever grand slam, in which the Yankees won seven to three. Did you know that?
1: I actually didn't know.
0: Yeah, Godzilla. Man, I missed him. A guy who could hit for average, but he hit a home run if you needed one.
1: Yeah, you, you want to talk about a guy who, who in the first um, three years of his career, was a hundred RBI man in '03 in his rookie season, '04 and '05. Yeah, and we missed and it missed it in '06 because he had that wrist injury. In the 2006 season that I actually remember, Matsui and Sheffield, they, they missed bomb. Um, they both missed valuable time in that 06 season. But wow, we want to talk about it. Doesn't feel like 16 years already since Matsui's dramatic Yankee Stadium debut, which is, which is truly, it's truly unforgettable in Yankee lore. I mean, yep. it's, it just is like, oh yeah.
0: But back to Gary Sanchez, okay?
1: Yeah.
0: He leads all time, most. Multi home run games in the first 274 games with 11. Number two behind him is Bob Horner. Number three behind Horner and Sanchez. Actually behind, actually tied with Bob Horner is Jim Gentile. Another legend. Then behind Horner and Gentile at number three, tied for three actually. Reggie Jackson and Ralph Kiner with nine multi-career, uh, multi, uh, home run and, uh, multi-home run games in the first 274 games. Wow. Of their major league career. Yeah. So you got Gary Sanchez with 11, Bob Horner and Jim Gentile at 10, Reggie Jackson, a former Yankee and Ralph Kiner at number three, with nine each. Now, for the most home runs per 120 games for Major League catchers all time, Gary Sanchez leads with 33.7, then Mike Piazza follows him with 26.8. Behind Piazza, Roy Campanella of the Brooklyn Dodgers with 23.9. Behind Campanella, one of the best catchers of all time, Johnny Bench, with twenty one point six, what do we have to say about that?
1: I mean, it goes to show you that. One, well, personally, I'm not surprised, considering that. And I was thinking about this earlier today too. That you know, when Sanchez broke into the Beijing leagues in 2016. Like, and people, like, people seemingly forget that he broke in on, on a bang, and yeah. finished second in the. And I believe he finished second in the in the, in the American League Rookie of the Year Award. Yeah, so season because
0: we'll Michael
1: Fulmer. He, yeah, and and that in twenty seventeen when and when when he was last he played when he was last played a full healthy season like he was a beast. So it goes to show you that listen like the, the talent with Sanchez is there. though he has been there in terms of his ability to, uh, with the bat and that not, not, not to let let's not forget his arm. But especially with his bat, where we're talking about like the historic offensive production that you get out of Sanchez in terms of all time, that's pretty impressive. So my only thing, especially with yesterday's two home run game, is like, let's see if he can continue to maintain that throughout the season. And there's no question in my mind that if he's healthy and he's right, he can and he will.
0: Hey, what happened yesterday? Three home run game? Three home run game. Yeah. I mean... Everyone can... Here's the thing. People were like, oh, the Yankees couldn't beat the Orioles. Now they're talking shit. Ah, well, ah, but it's the Orioles. Which one is it? You can't... You can't have both. You really can't. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. What does this look like? I, I mean, if Gary Sanchez keeps it up, I see him with a silver slugger this year. And maybe... Maybe a home run champion award. Shit. I mean, any thoughts on that shoe?
1: It's, it's incredible just thinking about how when we talk about, we talk, we, we talk about Sanchez, we talk about his offense yesterday. I mean, as a collective unit, the way that they broke out, there were three guys who had multi-homer games and all the spotlight goes to Sanchez, ironically, because his struggles have been well documented, but I mean, let's not forget. Who were the I mean, say quickly, who were the other two guys who had multi home run games yesterday? Hmm?
0: Okay. Multi home run games yesterday. Uh so Clint Frazier with two. Okay?
1: Yes, that's one.
0: And then the series before that, Glaber Torres. Yes. And then Clint Frazier again. I did Clint Frazier have two home runs I, uh the day before that too?
1: I bel- I believe I believe he did, but I can I can always double check. Um yeah, but like, but but it goes to show that this team, like, listen, the power has always been there. And offensively, they're going to hit home runs, but the only things in terms of like it's going to be a, it's going to be interesting to see what this team can do in terms of consistency moving forward. Because if there's one thing that that we do know is that I think hitting with runners to scoring position, the numbers are going to get better. It's going to have to get better. And. No.
0: He only had, uh, sorry to interrupt you, but, uh, Clint Frazier only had three home runs. So that was yesterday and the day before. Wow. So the day before yesterday, which was Saturday, he had the game winning home run.
1: Yeah. Back to you. Yeah, which is, which is, I mean, nevertheless, in its own right, an improvement for a guy that, um, that entering this year, like he, that, that we felt that he needed to, like just, like to prove himself, not in, not in terms of talent, but prove that he can be the ultimate, um, the, the, the ultimate everyday guy in, in left field for the Yankees. And I've always believed that he could be, but unfortunately concussion and injury had, had sidelined him for nearly a year and a half. But now, well yes, especially it's just,
0: it's just like
1: um he's he's proven that he belongs to stay. Yeah. And I think it's I think it's fair to say that listen, I love Gardner, but it's time that you that you give that you give um Fra- Frazier an opportunity to play every day. And I this is what happens think, when you play. I, go ahead. I
0: think this is Frazier's job to take. I mean It
1: is. It always has been since spring training. This was Prager's job to take, but this also goes to show you when Boone doesn't do any st- anything freaking stupid, like benching a player when he gets going for unknown reasons, but un- un- unknown to all but him, that what? he takes floors. Not
0: him. It's huh? the analytics group, not Boone. I, I, the analytics that that's in the tunnels. Yeah, which uh, every, every team uh, has them.
1: I, I know, I know, but it it it's it's the kind of thing where just from pure baseball sense, if he's hot, let him let him play. Just let him play. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's
0: that's definitely from a hot baseball sense and it's common sense too. I mean what what more can we say? I mean look, last year I mean, had Clint Frazier uh would have been healthy and not with the concussion issues that he suffered over uh spring training he would have been the everyday left fielder, center fielder, mm. instead of Gardner. Yeah, but the thing is, the thing about this, it's all about consistency. It's all about consistency. No, no knocks to Gardner, and no knocks to Frazier. Both mm-hmm. stellar players, but it's it's really time for Clint Frazier to shine.
1: Oh, it is. Like this is this is why I felt now. For the past year, that it's time for like the young kids to really take over. Like, I mean, Judge. I mean, he yeah, he yeah, he's still young. He's twenty seven, but between 27, like Sanchez being twenty, I mean twenty six, and I mean like Torres, Andujar, Frazier, the young, and I mean Severino for the young guys to really take over for, on this team, you know. And I feel like like now is the time. Now it's absolutely the time and the opportunity to do so, and Frazier could be that guy for the Yankees this year, the way that Sanchez and Judge were in 2017. I really think because he is that talented, and I believe that he can be that player. Um, we will we uh
0: so we will all like we will also like to say um throughout this podcast um like right now too. Uh we do have uh fan interviews that I have conducted for the first three games of the series. The opening series with um, Baltimore that I did. Um, got some knowledgeable fans in there. Shout out to uh to my boy uh Mark who uh sits in um, in the bleachers as I do in uh section two oh three, the guy who leads the roll call now that Bald Vinny is not there. Um, thanks to him for doing um, an interview Uh, for this podcast, guys very knowledgeable. Uh, thanks to another guy, uh, Mike, who I met over the first game of the series. Thanks to you, dude, for doing the interview and thanks to your buddies as well. Uh, thank you to pretty much everybody that conducted, that did the interview for the podcast. Um, as we say this, after I say this, um, you'll be able to, uh, listen to, uh, to, Uh, to those, uh, interviews and practically it's about the thoughts of this team and what they think and just basically opinions. We do love getting with the fans. There's no doubt about it. We love Mm -hmm. getting, we love interacting with the fans. Without you guys, we, this podcast would not be where it's at.
1: Absolutely, and you guys deserve a lot of credit. I mean, you guys listen. We've noticed we you guys do listen to the podcast and so forth, and we're very we're very excited and proud of that. And you know, like we would love for, for the fans to spread the word. That's the only way that the the numbers will grow in terms of listeners and and whatnot. And especially as the season progresses, I really think that I really do think and believe that this is the type of this is the type of um of Of exposure that that I know that my co- my co-host um Wes wesley um uh, and i are capable of you know like it's the fans like you guys know how to spread the word like wildfire. and this is just this is only the beginning you know we're we're still very much new at this, but at the same time we're learning as we go, and so far the the support has been absolutely great so thank you thank you to all of you for those who have listened listening so far that like I, as as i mentioned this is just the beginning.
0: So, as we like to say, um, enjoy the interviews. Tell us your name and where you're from. Joe Sanchez from Daytona Beach, Florida. What made you a Yankees fan? Uh, born and bred, dude. Born and bred? Born and bred, baby. Born and bred, all right. So what do you think about this team this year? Uh, it's
2: looking good. A lot of youth. Got the veterans. Got CC and Guardi out there leading the way. Uh, I like the Paxton pickup. It's everything you want,
0: championship baseball. Okay. Do you think we match up with the Red Sox this year? Oh yeah, easy. We got a dominant bullpen and they got no bullpen. I mean the
2: offenses are comparable, they
0: got a great rotation, you can't hate on it. But the bullpen's gonna be the difference maker. Now knowing like what the injuries going on and everybody going to the injured reserve list as of now. What is your take on this team? Are you worried? You're semi worried or you're not worried at all? I mean, the injury bug bites. I feel like, you know, Tulo's going to fill his place. Make up for, not make up, you can't make up for DD being gone, but he'll hang tight. He'll do what he needs to do. We'll be all right. Okay, last question. Any bold predictions for this team? A judge MVP? okay and uh i mean i don't think a world series is too bold of a prediction at this point i feel like we earned it we're gonna be there we're gonna fight for it world, world series se- bound baby world series are bust world series are bust baby thank you so much
2: no problem, your name and tell us where you're from my name is mark chopin and i am from manhattan Manhattan? Mm -hmm. Which part of Manhattan? I live in the Midtown on the east side. Oh, I live in East Harlem. Excellent. So um, what do you think about the Yankees this year? I think it all depends on the rotation. I think, and Gary Sanchez. Uh, If Sanchez can bounce back, I think the lineup is going to be great. I like uh, how we got D.J. LeMahieu. I like having a guy with a little bit less power that is harder to strike out. And hit for an average, which is kind of what LeMayu is. He actually might be a decent leadoff hitter. Uh, the bullpen is excellent. I mean, it's certainly a championship-level pen. So everything really depends on the health of our rotation. You know, you got Severino out, you got CC out, and you got Paxton, who's never thrown more than 160 innings in his career. So if these guys stay healthy, or if they make a mid-season acquisition, I think they're going to be all right. How deep they go, it'll depend, you know, on on how things work out in October. You never know. We were very close to beating Boston last year. When Gary Sanchez hits a ball four feet more, it's a home run, and you send it back to Fenway and anything can happen. So I think it's a pretty good team. I just i am hoping we can win a championship.
0: Now, you mentioned Fenway, right? Now, how do you feel about us compared to the Red Sox knowing their offseason moves, which they lost some key players to their World Series winning team, and do you feel like there's a new approach with the additions that we have, such as LeMay, Hughes, Lewitsky, and other guys as far as our batting goes?
2: Uh, Well, regarding Tulo, I think he's kind of gravy. He's a guy that we signed for Major League Minimum and he's here to replace Didi while Didi's on the list. So far, not so bad. It's all in two games. Gave us a home run. Gave us a single. Uh, you know, it, so I don't know if he's necessarily a key player, but he's going to be the blue that holds the team together until uh, Didi gets back. Uh, regarding whether or not we caught the Red Sox, their lineup is still very strong. You know, they have a different approach that kind of reminds me a little bit more of the way the Yankees used to be, where they grind you out. They're difficult to strike out. They hit for a higher batting average, which I think is not really is kind of a lost art. I think you do have to put the bat on the ball. Swinging for the fences isn't the best approach with every at bat. You know, sometimes a ground ball to the left side or the right side will uh, get a run in. Where swinging for the fences, if you hit it, great. But if you strike out, you didn't get the run in. Uh, the Red Sox are very difficult, very pesky, so I think their rotation you know is pretty decent too um, but I think also everything broke their way last year they they managed to beat the really bad teams. They played at like almost a 70 percent winning percentage. The Yankees were about six twenty five. That was the difference in the division. We were actually as good or better against the bigger teams, or against the tougher teams. So, you know, will things break the same way for the Red Sox again? I don't know. I mean, I think they're good. They're very good, but I think we can compete. Can we repeat the final
0: question? What is your prediction as far as a win-loss record and any bold predictions you have towards of any of our players or the team itself in general?
2: Well, I think uh, Paxton's going to have a strong first half. The real question is going to be the second half. Uh, again, the man's never pitched more than 160 innings. What happens in October if he is healthy? Uh, I think uh, I. I'd make a safe pick at about ninety six, basically ninety four to a hundred wins. I think uh they're gonna they're gonna be good enough. The gap between them and the small and the lesser teams is pretty high, and they show they can play against the tougher teams. So I think I don't know if they're gonna win the division, but uh, I think they're gonna be still a strong team. Thank you so much, Mark, for doing this interview. You're welcome.
0: Thank you guys for doing that and. Look, I look forward to hanging out with all of you. I love yeah. you know, I love every single listener that has been listening, supporting us through our first 6 episodes, which is now going to be our first 7. Um, thank you to everybody that's been listening to everywhere. So, I mean, without you guys, we this is the podcast for you guys, not for us, but for you guys, for the die-hard Yankee fans, for the yeah. fans all types, but mostly the die-hard Yankee fans. We are not shady and we are not Hollywood with our with our attitude.
1: Amen so, to that. You know, it's yeah. funny, I came across it, it's an interesting tweet I saw from yeah. um from from I can't remember his name. I think it was Joe Z. Um the guy who became became famous when he witnessed um Rafael Devers hit that home and off all the shaping in twenty seventeen at Yankee State yeah. on Sunday night baseball. You know, we were talking about pitching in this in this um Excuse me, and we were talking about pitching earlier in this in this in this episode. He tweeted out two hours ago, and I and I really and I really felt this way even in spring training. He said, "quote," and this is on his Twitter at Joe Z McFly.
0: Oh, Dave McFly, yeah,
1: yeah. He said, "At this point, call Keiko. I thought the Yankees should have signed Keiko to begin with. Actually, me and you both, both we, we both both did, you. yeah. Oh,
0: not not for nothing. Um. Speaking of Jose McFly, um, shout out to him. Super cool dude. We, uh, we met for the first time. I'm most humble guy I ever met. Dude has like, he he has a, he has a good podcast. He has, he runs a good page. The guy's very knowledgeable. I mean, super cool dude. I mean, hey, I can't say anything bad, man. I mean, you know, we support everybody. We support everybody. So, yeah, back to what you were saying, Shu.
1: Yeah. And I, and I think that, it baffles me that no one has signed Keiko as of yet. I understand the numbers have, have gone up, I mean, especially in the last couple of seasons, but he's still a quality on that could help any, any team's rotation, you know? And I'm surprised the Yankees have not signed a guy yet in terms of Keiko that, I mean, that should in fact, listen, should in fact that Severino has them as any significant time. I really think Keiko could be a good feeling to give him a one year contract. What do you have to lose? Like a low, a one a year or even a two year contract, low risk, high reward, you never know. And I, I'm, like yeah. I said, like, I'm just surprised that not even just the Yankees that no other team, no other team has picked him up as of yet. That is no,
0: I mean, there is reports that, uh, the Mets are apparently in contact with, uh, Keiko, but, I mean, who knows where he could land, but the thing is, with Keichel, who is his agent? That's the thing. Who is his agent?
1: Oh, uh, man, good question.
0: It's not Scott Boris, right? No,
1: I, I don't think so. I uh, mean,
0: because that, okay. that asking price um, is scaring teams away, so it could, it could just be like another Manny Machado, um, Bryce Harper situation, where it's pretty much like we said in the first episode, that it's become a dick-measuring contest.
1: Yeah, his so, agent is in fact Scott Boris. Oh, it is. Yeah.
0: So, phew, I mean, a lot of people say that Scott Boris ruins baseball.
1: He does, in in many ways, in one, but he also helps it as well.
0: But, yeah, it's, so, but it's
1: insane that he still hasn't been signed yet, which I I don't I genuinely do not understand.
0: No, and like they said, it's it always depends on the reputation. Now, um, so. We basically became the. I'm I'm not getting used to calling it the injury list. Yeah, I'm still still calling it the
1: disabled list. Yeah, that's what I was about to say.
0: I guess they're trying to be politically correct or whatever. I mean, it's look, it's not a knock, but disabled list is not mocking anybody that's disabled. It just pretty much says that they're disabled for that time to play. Yeah. So. You know, before anyone gets up in arms, like, why are you still saying disabled list? No. Um, do your research. So the first injury we're going we're gonna to talk about, uh, Luis Severino. So it just came out around 620 today that he is being sent to New York for another MRI. In which people who are not updated with that, um, Severino was injured in spring training as he was warming up for a game. And I believe it's his throwing arm.
1: Yeah, it is his throwing arm.
0: So he's got a, an inflammation on the, on the rotator cuff. So from what this looks like, it's the rotator cuff again. Um, it has nothing to do with uh, Tommy John. So what Tommy John is, Tommy John is basically on the elbow. His elbow is fine. It's his rotator cuff, basically his shoulder. The rotator cuff is the area that helps the shoulder make its rotation moves. So, we basically got three uh shoulder inflammations going on. Yeah. Um, basically, so, actually, no. We got three shoulder issues in this team. So, yeah. his batances, which doesn't sound worse. We don't know what's the word on him. Um, basically, we're talking about... Severino and now Anduhar as well, who has a small laboral, ter- uh, laboral tear. Mm-hmm. Now, listen, before anyone says that he is fine, um, look, this is no knock to, uh, Danny's dugout, okay? This is no knock to you, Danny Sapola. I did see your interview about women and baseball. Didn't know, I mean, did good job or whatever, but when it came to the, um. The, the breakdown of the injury of Miguel Andujar, let me tell you something. And I'm not being an asshole right now, but let me tell you something. As a young athlete with experience, when it comes to this stuff, I am an amateur boxer. I have torn my labrum twice in boxing. And I also, unfortunately, got into an accident at work. Um, when you have a labral tear, three weeks... Later, you are not fine. The labral tear could be small and it could be big. But once mm-hmm. you have a labral tear, your shoulder is messed up and you need major surgery. I can tell you this because I had a labral tear on my throwing arm before too. And I, I had a small one that ended up being huge. And every time I threw a ball pretty hard, pop goes the shoulder. Okay, I had to get surgery for that. Major surgery, not shoulder reconstruction, but a bank heart labor reti- repair on my right. I had two surgeries, bank heart repair, which failed. And now I have total um, shoulder replacement surgery. So and I've done I've done my uh, last surgery in NYU. So I have a lot of experience on this. Miguel Andujar is done for the season, especially on his throwing arm. He is done for the season. You mm-hmm. cannot afford to put him out there. You will hurt his shoulder.
1: And damage his career potentially.
0: Yeah. Once you got a bad shoulder, that's it. It's one of the worst injuries and most likely a career ending injury. He needs to be shut down now and get the surgery. He's not going to be fine. I- I'm sorry. I'm just a little, I'm, I'm very like sensitive when it comes to the subject.
1: I don't think you should apologize because you've gone through it. So you can't actually speak because, because you can actually speak from experience. You know, like this is one of those um, topics where I think for those who haven't gone through an injury like that, it's, it's virtually impossible to really speak on unless you've gone through it. And you're one of those who have, unfortunately, in such a young age, gone through such an experience and understand the damage that it does to your shoulder. And especially when you play in a premium hot, a hot corner position like th- uh, that is third base, you need your shoulder. You need your shoulder to be at optimum strength to be able to make those long throws across the first base. Not even that. If you're playing a position at all,
0: I mean, a position point blank, you need that arm. Yeah. You need both of your arm. Yeah. Especially and let especially me ex- tell you something. Mm-hmm. The labrum is basically a ball and socket. So the more it rubs together, because this is what happens, the more rubs together, and he got that off of a diving plate, so the impact of that affected that ball and socket. So when that rubs together, it saws off, and it disappears. So you have two surgeries to do. You either do a band cart repair, or you do a ladder J, which is like a Tommy John, but for the shoulder, where they cut one point of the bone, they cut that bone again, and they screw you in. And let that bone grow into you, because your glenoid is damaged, and that's what I'm recovering for. Recovering from. So Andrew Hart is out. This is why we have DJ Lemayhew to play at third, because Andrew Hart is a big loss, a big loss, a very big loss, especially to our to our defensive aspect of the team and our offensive aspect of the team, but. DJ LeMahieu, a proven third baseman, can fill those shoes. And we have him for 2 years at 45 million. million. Ooh.
2: Wow. I
1: I will tell you this much. For a guy who whose versatility is going to come in real handy this season, especially with LeMahieu as you mentioned, um I think it's I think it's imperative, and I do mean I think it's absolutely imperative that that he continues to show his worth, not only as as a as a regular second baseman, but also playing third. Where listen, he's going to be needed there now more than ever. There's no ifs ands or buts about it.
0: There's no ifs ands or buts about it.
1: And ironically enough, I mean, where the season began, like we didn't think that that this that the Yankees would find themselves in a situation where they would need. A guy who isn't your regular on third baseman to play third base, given what that he what he was signed for originally, but it goes to yeah. show that things do change during the baseball season. So, with that being said, Lemayo, I, I really my expectations for Lemayo is that his glove will will translate over at third. But reminder to Yankee fans, he's not a natural third baseman. He's a second baseman, and there is a difference. There is a difference in terms of position and how you play the position. So be a, be patient as he learns the position. I'm sure that for a guy who ha, who has been a goal glover, that he will in fact have some growing pains. But I think he'll be fine ultimately. Defensively, that is. I mean, offensively, he'll continue to do well. But I think as long as you're the Yankees. And you continue to monitor his progress. That Lemayu progress after that is, yeah, they'll be fine. I really believe that
0: they, I mean, they they did they did call up Giovanni Ursula to play third.
1: I'm interested to see if he's ready, and I mean if he's actually ready to play in the major leagues. Now I've heard very little about Ur, 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 Ursula, like so i'm not going to say that i'm i'm not going to pretend that i know a lot about him but i will do but i will say this much like he he is he is young he is young but at the same time i'm intrigued to see what kind of position and what kind of position that he'll end up carving himself into in terms of importance yes he's yes he's 27 years old and 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 at that like he he does have major league experience. Funny enough, he played 81 games with Cleveland in 2015. 20, he missed all of 20, 2016, but he played 67 games with Cleveland in 2017. 2018 played 19 games with Toronto. So he does have experience, but, but 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 limited experience at that. So I'm 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 actually intrigued to see what can he what can he do. I mean, the expectations shouldn't be high at all. I mean, no disrespect to the man, but that's just being no, honest. No disrespect at all.
0: Yeah. But it just shows you what management can do in case, like, they are aware of these situations. So if you're a fan that's just knocking, like, signings and all that, do your research. Seriously, do your right. research. I mean, right. yeah. I mean, let's talk about the Tigers series. Yeah. We didn't do too well. I mean, we basically shit the bed against them, taking one out of two. But there's really not much to worry. But I felt like we should have taken at least two out of three. Seriously. Mhm. We should have taken two out of three.
1: Yeah, I feel the same way.
0: There, there's no ifs, ifs or buts about it. I mean, we should have taken two out of three. Why didn't we? Well, because we were trying to swing for the for the fences too much, and we made that mistake. But, this past series, especially against um, Baltimore, we did what we were supposed to do. Yeah. So there's that. I also have um, fan interviews from that series, so guys enjoy that. Tell us your name and where you from. Nicholas Esposito, Coastal Park, New Jersey. What made you a Yankees fan? Just been a Yankee fan growing up. 27
1: World Series, baby.
0: Ain't nothing better than that, right? Nothing better than that. What do you yeah. think about this team this year?
1: We've got a good team. A lot of injuries start of the season, typical, but they can make it through. The batting has to kick up, bro.
0: Our pitching's doing well. We're known for our batting, and we're just not doing as well as we should be. Do you feel like we swing for the fences too much? Way too much. Way too much. People, you got to go to the plate and hit the ball. All right. Final question. Do you think with this team now, despite the injury, later down the line, do you think we match up with Boston and we can take the division from them? All we got to do is beat the Red Sox in the World Series. Do I think? I hope. I'm a Yankees fan, I hope. Red Sox are good, though. All right, sweet. Thank you so much. Anything else you'd like to say? Nothing. Thank you, my man. No problem. John Graziano from Long Island, New York. Long Island, New York. All right. So what do you think about the Yankees this year? I hope they're going to be better than last year. I think we're going to do good. A lot of predictions for them doing good this year, and hopefully they come true with that. Who's the key players that you think is going to take us to the top? That's going to happen.
1: Definitely Judge. Um, it's the, the pitching is our key. Pitching is your key? lead games, if the pitching ain't there, it's going to be a tough battle.
0: Yeah, yeah. So let me ask you a question. If Gio Gonzalez... Goes through everything that he goes through Well enough to get called up here Do you think he should take the place of Herman Or anybody that's really shaky
1: Listen At this point if you're producing I think you should get the chance to produce for the main
0: team Alright Now final question What's your prediction As far as the win-loss record
1: you know what? I watch a lot of shows. Everybody's saying the Yankees are going to win over 100 games this year. Me personally, I'll let the season tell a story. Are we thinking over
0: 100? Over, over 100?
2: I hope they're going to
0: at least. I, I think they're going to win the American League East this year. Yes. Boston is a tough competitor. But I think. I think we woke up this year. I think we're gonna do good this year. Sounds awesome. Thank you guys. Thank you. Shout out to, some more people that, that did the fan interviews. I mean, I appreciate it. I mean, throughout the, throughout the season, we'll, we'll, we'll do more. So, I mean, don't be afraid. We're, we're just that podcast that loves to, um, interact with the fans. I mean, we're not Hollywood. We do not act like our shit don't stink. Yeah. On top of that, um, I think there's there needs to be moves that need to be made. I mean, for how long can we rely on this rotation?
1: Not for long. This is why. This is why I feel like if you're if you're the Yankees, that I'm surprised and I'm genuinely surprised that they have not gone out and try and try to really see. Like what else is out there? I mean, I understand that Gio Gonzalez is still in the in the minor leagues, um, but at the same time, I'm I'm just hoping that at this only matter of time before he gets called out to the um, to the major leagues. I mean, yeah. Like so, I I do think that maybe when he if he if and when he does get called up, that he does have some some sort of like an impact in terms of the rotation. Because I mean, because the old adage of baseball goes, like. You just never know. You ne you never know, like in terms of like Yeah, you know just done. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean or if not, should we start making a I mean, making a call to Cleveland? Not to start any rumors, but should we like make a call to Cleveland and see if freaking Cory Kluber is available?
1: And what would be what would the Yanks should, should be willing to give for Cory Kluber?
0: Well, what do you have in mind if if the Yankees decides to fall a trade. What is Cleveland looking for?
1: I would think they'd be looking for high end talent. You have to give up something to get talent, you know what I mean? Yeah. But at the I same
0: time I, t- yeah, I would prefer that they would go after like a guy like uh Trevor Bauer.
1: Yeah, but at the same time, my only thing my only thing is this. I feel that if the Yankees were to go out and out, inquire about both guys they better be prepared to trade some serious talent from the farm from, from the farm system my only question yeah. would be whom and what exactly and how much because the truth is like good young arms in the major leagues that are that are starting pitching do not come around cheaply they just don't you know like if you want to make a trade for such guys you better be able to make sure that what you're getting in return is high high in quality talent. And interestingly enough, I will say this. In terms of Corey Kluber, I just don't think that, in my honest opinion, he's a guy that, that the Yankees should go after. Yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't think he is. I don't think he's worth it. Because my whole thing is, October. Tober, he has struggled in October, and yes, I understand that I'm that I, I'm going to hear about. Well, what about a guy like David Price? He was a perennial choker in October before last I was about year.
0: To say that, man.
1: Like I, I get that, but dude, but there's something about Kluber that worries me in the big game. It really does. It just worries me. I I don't know. Like I honestly do not know. Like I don't know what to think or expect. From um, from him, especially him pitching in New York, I don't know. No way. I
0: mean, I don't know. Maybe a change of scenery. I mean, maybe something should happen. I I mean, I mean, look at look what happened with Todd Frazier. I mean, he came to, to the Yankees and he just started raking. Yeah. I mean, even in the
1: playoffs too, he did produce. True, but at the same time, some guys are able to embrace. Embrace the the bright lights, you know, and and so forth. But some aren't. But yeah, remember Tom Todd Fraser. he he's a Tom's River guy. He he's a local yeah. guy. So he understands like like the pro like the dynamics and the pressures of New York. So his
0: his ass just has to go for the Mets in time for less. Yeah, he was asking for the Yankees for a lot more money. Yeah, he goes to the Mets. So I want
1: to be I mean, in be it is in. what it is. Dude, it is what it is. It's business. At the end of the it day, is. it's it's business. I get that. It it is what it is, you know. So it's one of those things where it's like, hey, like he did what he thought was best for him in terms of um, in terms of finances, and that's that, you know. Man,
0: I mean, so it's like now what, dude? I mean, look, like I said, as much as I've been bashing Domingo Herman, but I did, you and I both, you and I both heard me clear. I said I do like him as a reliever better, right?
1: Say that piece one more time.
0: I said as much as I've been, as much as I bashed or doubted Domingo Mm Herman. did I not say that I feel like he's more better as a reliever than he is a starter?
1: I felt that way last year. He's better at being a long reliever than than he's a starter, but so far, and again, I do emphasize, so far in two starts, he's shown otherwise. We'll see.
0: I mean, no knock to him. Yeah, it was against the Orioles, but I mean, let let's see what he does on a better, t- like, against maybe like a team like Cleveland, like the Rays or Houston. I mean, let you know, let let's see that with Houston or the two game series that we're gonna have with the Red Sox. Oh, speaking of the Red Sox, <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> let, let, let me let me tell you
1: something. Just 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 get it out
0: <laughs> let, let, let me just you know, I know it's early in the season, but uh i I do want to get this out just let, let let me let me just have this like ten minutes to like get this out
1: oh go ahead,
0: oh, you fucking sad bastard fucks. all this Yankee sock chance, all fucking year, how's that working out now? Huh? Huh? Oh fucking you! Yankees suck. Even in the World Series against the Dodgers, you guys were chanting Yankees suck. The Yankees have been living rent free in your minds. hmm So let's say, what if they would have lost the World Series against um against uh the Dodgers? Would they still have been chanting Yankees suck?
1: <laughs> that is a Boston thing to win through for especially those that that don't live that don't live in Boston as, as I do um it's a boston thing through and through no matter what and it's it's just ingrained so you you so you have to kind of excuse and laugh at ignorance at it's finest but it's okay
0: i, I mean i can't excuse in- ignorance i do have to laugh at it i mean laugh at it in a petty level of course um, yeah but yankee suck yankee suck all fucking yeah How's that working out for you? <laughs> um, you got shitted on by Arizona, then you got shitted on by the Oakland Athletics, right?
1: Oh yeah, that 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 yeah. that was a disaster in Oakland. Yeah. Think what what happened. But go ahead. How's how's that
0: how's that Yankees suck shit like living for you? I mean, I'm pretty sure when um when the Yankees uh, beat you guys in the '90s and then early and uh, then 2003. And then also when we last won a World Series in um two thousand nine, I'm pretty sure we weren't chanting Boston sucks all year. But I digress.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But you guys were getting shitted on. And then I was arguing with um a red you are in the group Diamond Discussions, right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, have you have you been have you been seeing the post I've been bumping? Oh god on that Red Sox fan who keeps claiming that um The Red Sox live free amongst, I mean, live rent free amongst the Yankee fan minds, but yet he's on every Yankees post talking shit and talking about the Yankees more than we do.
1: I'm not surprised, but I haven't seen, I haven't seen the post directly, but I know, but I, but it's just, it's a, it's a psychological thing with Red Sox fans. You just have to excuse, again, like, just laugh at it, because it's like, if, if, If you, if we really live rent free in your hands, then why do you feel the need to check Yankee sucks at, I mean, at your own World Series parade that I was at last October? Really? Why, why do you feel the necessity to do that? At that parade, I, at that parade, yes, Yankee fans, I was at that Red Sox World Series parade here in Boston and, and as I live here in Boston. So with that being said, it's like you just won the World Series and your chance in Yankees suck. Why? For What reason? Congratulations. It's,
0: it's, you you guys act like that that ex girlfriend that just won't get off the guy's nuts. Even with your new man, oh, uh, what the fuck is Bob up to? Uh, up doing? Why is Bob doing this? What? Man, we're gonna have to start charging y'all rent for every time you guys say Yankees suck. Seriously. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I I do want to say, Boston sucks cock. Boston sucks cock. Boston <laughs> sucks cock. Boston sucks cock.
1: Don't you still have that shirt, by the way?
0: Oh, yeah, I do. I bought it in front of the stadium. I still have it. I'd like to buy another one. We play them next week, too, for a two-game set.
1: Yeah. It's, that being... It yeah. is still a shame that the Yankees don't come out to Boston for the first time in 2019 until July. They have a three-game set against the Red Sox that's kind of as a road series, but they're in London. Just a heads-up, FYI, for Yankee fans.
0: Also, I... um, So, basically, we're practically on the end of the episode. So, I am going to make a few announcements. So, as you know, some of you have me on Facebook, some of you have me on Instagram, and some of you have me on Twitter. I am planning a group outing to a Yankees game either Sunday, August 18th at 1 p.m. against the Cleveland Indians or Friday, August 30th, seven o'clock against the Oakland, against the Oakland athletics. Now, for those who are interested, add me on Facebook, uh, Wesley Segundo, W E S uh, W E S O E Y S E G U N as in, uh, Nancy D as in dog and o as in octopus. Um, vote on the poll, which one it is. You're interested. Only vote if you're a thousand percent going and only pay if you're a thousand percent going. I have a friend who is helping me with this. Um, finding out the, the, pricing and all that. We're trying to aim for the tickets to be no more than $30 or lower. So once I have every detail, just add me, ask me for information, um, I'll slot that over, and as soon as I have um, pricing and details and everything finalized, um, I will say that the payments are not due until July 22nd. So everybody has time to plan their schedules ahead and accordingly. Only, only vote for the game if you are a thousand percent sure that you are going. I do not want to deal with any any mis uh mishaps where it's like, oh yeah, I'm going, but then next thing you know, oh I can't go. I need my money back. No, I do not want to deal with this. I want everybody to be able to go and have a good time. Um and as far as uh me having the tickets, please meet me at the desired location that I say to meet me at two to three hours uh before the game. Mm-hmm. Anything after then after that, uh, the tickets will be available to be picked up at will call. So it's just a simple thing. Um, Most it looks like most likely by the votes, it might be Sunday, August eighteenth, and I believe you voted for that game, right?
1: Yes, the the eighth, August eighteenth against Cleveland, yeah. And and actually, that it would actually be perfect in so on so many fronts because one. It's a Sunday, too, and thinking along the lines of my of, of bringing my girlfriend down from Boston for that weekend, I, I mean, it's, the, it's, it's dead smack dab almost near in the middle of August, and you know it's, it's going to be a scorcher, so like so the, the logistics would just be perfect.
0: Yeah, and then on top of that, I'm giving everybody time to pregame, so, I mean, if you want to pregame at the bar, you can pregame at the bar, but... Just please meet me at the desired location uh for the tickets. I'll most likely be at the Bodega, today like always. <laughs> Having twenty fours and stuff like that. Um but yeah, so add me on Facebook, follow me on Instagram, or follow both of us on Instagram, um, at one sixty one murderers underscore pod or um
1: shoe, your Instagram. My Instagram is mister That underscore traveler. That's Mr. underscore T-R-A-V-E-L-E-R, T R A V E L E R on Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter as well, at trickery96yankees. Yes, and
0: you can follow me at pretty much, my Instagram is segundo2, E-G-U-N-D-0. It's basically my last name, so you'll see it in my story. Don't be afraid to say hi. Um, I'll be at the game on Friday, August twelfth, with my family and my girlfriend. Don't be don't be afraid to say hi. Say what's up. I always interact with uh, the listeners, and we'll be at the standing room area because it's Bernie Williams bobblehead day. Anything else, Shuf?
1: I am patiently awaiting for the Yankees to finally get up here to Boston. Although that will not happen until July, but it pisses me off. Thanks a lot, MLB. You suck, massive. You know what? You fill in the blanks. Um, and um, it's early in the season, ten games in. It will be fascinating to watch, especially as we as we get towards May, see what what the state of this team is. And I can't wait to actually for when the weather gets very warm. Yeah. For this, for 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 baseball to really take effect.
0: Yep. That being said, this is um, episode seven. We are out. We all like. We will also like to say, enjoy the fan interviews. Thank you to everyone that has participated in that. I will definitely reach out to you guys. Um, enjoy the podcast. Enjoy the episode. I have been your host, Wes Segundo.
1: Shukri writes year
0: year so enjoy the Yankee game that's going on right now have a chopped cheese and rock your pinch stripes let's go Yankees let's go Yankees and we are out
1: this was another episode of 161 Murderer's Row Pod thank you for joining us please join us once again with your hosts Shukri writes and Wesley Segundo. This show was produced by Ricky Lewincawich of Pain Train Pipe Bomb. Please join us once again for another episode of One Sixty One Murderers Row Pod.
2: See ya.